Welcome to Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, sisters, I have a, an exciting new meme I want to tell you both about. Oh? Yes. You're going to describe a meme to us? Oh, you made fun of me for doing that once. Go oh, ahead. No. It was a funny uh, Twitter thing that has generated a meme that I appreciate. So, I was never particularly a fan of Axe body spray. <laughs> okay. Okay. Can't imagine either of you were. No. 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 Not really my thing. I always kind of found it a little like, it felt kind of bro-y, right? I think it, it was feels, supposed to be. Yeah. And it's just, it's very aggressive at your nose. Yes. So not, not really my thing. And so it makes sense that I think because of that reputation of Axe, that when people were talking about uh, you know how those ridiculous humans want to have a straight pride parade in Boston yes. and how ridiculous that is. And then it was um, held up to much mockery on the Internet, as mm-hmm. it should be. Uh, there was someone who said, what would what would you even have in a straight pride parade? And one of the things they included was an Axe body spray float. Mm-hmm. Pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Pretty funny joke. But Axe body spray on Twitter mm-hmm. said basically, no, thank you. Uh, oh. We'd much rather be part of a pride parade mm-hmm. and not a straight pride parade. It's very good. A real pride parade. Uh, Thank yeah. you, th- ex-body spray. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Uh, and so in response to that, someone on the on Twitter whose handle has Jill in it, so mm-hmm. we'll assume her name is Jill, someone on Twitter came back at ex-body spray and was like, well... I will make sure that me and my son never use your products again. Axe body spray. Because I'm a tool. Gross, Jill. You know, she said whatever she said. And in response to that, Axe body spray says, uh, well, gay rights are human rights, but you go off, Jill. (laughs) (laughs) So go off, Jill. (laughs) It was trending for a while. And I really like that. I like that's that. That's pretty good. That's, that's good. good. I like that. All right. Go that's off, a good Joe. meme. <laughs> I thought it was a good one. Thank you, Axe Body Spray, I guess. Thanks. <laughs> well, I feel weird saying that in any context. I don't know. Well, I don't, you know what? I don't, like, that's fine. I know I'm not going to use the product. It's not targeted at me, but I appreciate the support. It's, it's okay to have, the, I, you know, fine. I feel like when a, when a brand that maybe it, it behooves their target audience to sell to pride, sells to pride. It's like, okay, but I don't know what kind of like horse in this race Axe Body Spray has. So that's why I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah. That's a good point though. Like it, it really, I don't know. I don't want to make mass generalizations, but I have to assume that they got some flack. Oh yeah. For that among, among users of their product. Yeah. So that's like what happened with that Gillette ad. about like you know going against toxic masculinity and like Mm -hmm. redefining gender stereotypes and um all those kinds of things and all the people that responded like never gonna use a gillette razor again i love toxic masculinity i love toxic masculinity (laughs) i love it when my son punches other kids and doesn't feel bad about it my son doesn't cry he doesn't make tears. That's for girls. Do you know how long I've had pent up negative emotions that I have no ability to express my whole life? Thank you, society. 
Uh, and then, and Gillette was, I, I think, also very much go off Jilled because then they came out with another really cute commercial where a father is teaching their son to shave for the first time, but their their son is a trans man. So yeah. I think that's really... I hadn't seen cool. that. Yeah. That is good. Gillette's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gillette's like, y'all can use our razors or not. <laughs> We're you're, fine. I think you're still going to use our razors. I'm going to just call your bluff. <laughs> It's it's a hard it's a hard question, right? Because like on one hand, you have to assume somebody's doing market research there, mm-hmm. and and you could you could write it off as kind of pandering, but on the other hand, like representation matters, mm-hmm. and if you have a platform using it to say, like this is the side we're on, we're on the right side, we're yeah. on the good side. I I mean, I don't know. I'm not gonna hate it. Oh. Yeah. I, I also like that um that that Smash Mouth came t- <laughs> felt the need to tweet <laughs> against the what? straight pride parade. Yes, they said straight pride parade. F off. And oh, I'm like, <laughs> these are our allies. Xbox. <laughs> the internet's been tweeting a lot about that combination of like, I, oh, I will take it. I will absolutely take it. Axe body spray and Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I I did not see that coming, but it's 2019, so just the like expect most, the unexpected. Most broy straight man who's against all this is just like crying right now. All of I, all of the things I trust are betraying me. Ah, well, and I felt that like poor Brad Pitt got dragged into it. He was like named their mascot, and then his his representatives came out and were like, "Well, no, 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 way, no, hey, yeah. no." <laughs> No, Mr. Pitt has nothing to do with this and wants nothing to do with this. And this is Mr. not his Pitt. scene. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know where you got the idea, but uh, Brad Pitt has no part in this. Which, I mean, thank goodness. Right. Otherwise, I just... I'd have to go back. I'd have to build a time machine, go back in the past and tear that Legends of the Fall poster right <laughs> off my bedroom wall. <laughs> yeah. I just hope because I think it's gonna happen, and I mean, hopefully, I, I don't know. It's not a. It's it's stupid. It's incredibly stupid. The straight bride parade, but you know, I think it's I think it's been approved. I just want nothing more than just a bunch of queer people to show up and just treat the straight people like straight people. The worst, not not all of them, but like the the ones that don't really get that pride parade represents something. It's not, it's not a parade. It's it's commemorating you know an act of rebellion. Um, I just want. The, the the queer people to show up and treat the straight people that way like take their pictures act like they're a spectacle like just you know like ask them if, <laughs> if like they could watch them like make out like just you know like just 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 treat them <laughs> like like the, the worst straight people treat us at pride and it'll be f- maybe that's the best we can do see i kind of was hoping they would they, that people in the um the actual pride community would just show up and just treat it like pride parade and just you know, just like bring all the, the music and the dancing and the rainbow flags and everything that upsets all the people of the straight pride parade because mm-hmm. they hate all of it. Obviously, anything mm-hmm. that has to do with pride, I just want all of it to be there and just interfere with their gross straight pride parade. I I want that as well. I just also don't want anybody <laughs> to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the best thing that can happen is if. Uh, it gets absolutely no attention because that's what it deserves. Well, that too. Yeah. Just no, no nothing. I mean, because you know, like, that would be my plea to anybody 
who has a voice in the media, don't cover this. Hey, this, this is, is a this is garbage. This would be a good time if we're trying to work on like you know, um, getting the best people to represent our country and to like make all the decisions and get the bad people out. Can we just like make kind of like a little like um, bear trap, like the ones that are like a big net that hide under the leaves in the woods that kind of spring up and capture someone? Can we build a big one of those and just anyone who goes to the straight pride parade just kind of like scoop? And yeah. they all go in the big net, and then they all get taken somewhere. What do we? I was gonna say, what do we do with them yeah. once they're in the net? <laughs> Just take them and put them over there. Where's over Not there? Here. I don't um, know. I don't want any other country to have to have them either. Um, yeah, there's no solution. For there's that. no solution. Can we just keep them hanging up there? No, just for always. I don't think that's that's not very humane. No. Uh, we'll just move them all to New York or California where their votes won't count. Hey, there you go. Thank you. Out by all the blue. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Maybe California. Uh, it's bigger. They, you'd spread them out, but not yeah. here. We are Sprinkle here. them over California. Yeah, just, just all over the place. Um, I, I don't know much about Boston. I've been there once, and I'm not going to insult Boston, but I was talking about this with some coworkers, and one of them who had lived in Boston said, yeah, Boston would do that. And that was it. That was the statement. And I was like, oh, okay. It's very New York of you to insult Boston. All right, well, you know. <laughs> um, uh, so that wasn't what we are going to do an episode about. No. No. I don't have a transition here. Just... It's okay. Hey, I got, I know what it is. I got Charlie a new book. Okay. Uh, one that, Taylor, you may remember from our youth. It is called Uncle Shelby's ABZ Book. Oh, yeah. Michelle Silverstein. Yes. Now, for those of you familiar with this book, you are thinking that's inappropriate for a four-year-old. And you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't S for serial killer? I think S is for serial killer. I know, I, I, as I have, uh, I'm only halfway through reading it with Charlie, and I am no now. No spoilers. I have now remembered that K is for kidnapper. <laughs> so, that was an intense one. Well, um, I, there was definitely, maybe, maybe it was that, but it was like, I think it was like, they only come on certain days or something, or certain nights. Like, I think it was a serial killer. There was some allusion to somebody that was going to come kill you, but they only came on certain days of the week. And for, uh, that stuck in my child brain. And whenever it was that day of the week, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> might die. Might die. <laughs> I'll check it out. I, I It's been so long. Page. <laughs> I might not read that one. I've. My memory of it was because she's really into the other Shel Silverstein books. Um, of poetry. Of poetry. Yes. That's the topic. Poetry. Uh, and uh, I've read Thanks her. for naming like, the topic. All of uh, A Light in the Attic and um, Where the Sidewalk Ends. I've read her like every poem in both of those multiple times. At Like at bedtime, we'll read a handful of Shel Silverstein poems. So she really likes them. She likes that they're funny. She likes uh, the pictures. She likes them. And so I was remembering that I had that book when I was younger. And of course this book is really aimed at adults. It's supposed to be like a funny, it's not, it's a not kid book. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, it's got funny tricks in it. Like it tries to trick you into cutting your daddy's hair when he's asleep on the couch. And it tries to trick you into throwing eggs at the ceiling because there's a genie named 
Ernie who will reach down and grab the egg when you throw it. So mm-hmm. they try to get kids to. So it's supposed to be funny. And she said, oh, it's like a trick book. Like those food prank videos on YouTube that I love so much. And uh, I said, yeah, it's like what a trick a comparison. Book. Yeah. <laughs> trum, trum. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, well, we'll get it. And then I started reading it to her. It arrived yesterday. And I started reading it to her. And I was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> oops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's very funny. I love Shel Silverstein. But also, are we sure Charlie wouldn't cut Justin's hair when he's asleep? Well, if she if she would, she'd get that genetically, I think, from her she mother. Is, that's oh. that's true. I, did I cut? I did cut your hair, didn't I? What? You, like you? Oh, you just said that. Like, oh, I kind of forgot. I I did kind of forget. You stuffed cheese in my mouth while I was asleep. You tried to feed me a Cadbury egg when I was less than a year old. That was delicious, and you loved it. You, I woke up with pieces of cheese stuck to my teeth. You hid me in the laundry basket. This is true. <laughs> my one act of retribution was the cheese, and I didn't even think it was retribution. I just thought you looked hungry when you were sleeping. <laughs> I think you were just trying to dispose of the cheese you didn't want to eat, but also didn't want to get out of bed and go put in the trash can. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I very distinctly remember thinking for some reason that if I just pull the, the cheese apart into the pieces that are exactly sized to your teeth and lay them over your teeth, then no one will know, and you won't be able to tell the difference between the cheese and your real teeth. That's true. <laughs> well, I we could all tell the difference. <laughs> You're right. Sometimes I'm like, man, I, I wish I would have known what it was like to grow up with siblings around <laughs> the same age. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, nah, I'm chill. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, well, I I am carrying on the tradition of terrifying and scarring Charlie with Uncle Shelby's ABZ book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did get me thinking. I remember discovering the other Shel Silverstein books, the poetry books, when I was a kid at Mama and Papa's, our grandparents' house, mm-hmm. in their immense bookshelves and mm-hmm. their gigantic collection of books. Mm-hmm. And uh, reading them and becoming obsessed with them because, well, one, there, I mean, there isn't a lot of, well, at least at the time, I it was rare for me to find like a book of poetry that was aimed at a kid. Right. You know? Yeah, so that was very exciting. Um, after I expressed that interest, I discovered very quickly that there were many, many books like that mm-hmm. <laughs> because everyone gave them to me. Right. Um, but I, it also it got me thinking that, like, during my teen years, the idea of poetry and, like, creating that kind of art uh, became very important to me. And I feel like there are a lot, not all necessarily, but a lot of teens go through that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I definitely, I remember times my angsty teen self that still, I mean, I still am an angsty teen, but like, you know, your prime angst years when you're like 13, 14, mm-hmm. 15, maybe. Um, I remember like sitting there whenever something would make me sad, feel extra emo that day and pull up my little notes app on my phone and just angrily type out some poetry. On your phone? On my phone, hmm. my notes app. So that is, would you, that's really interesting to me that you say that. I thought, uh, I went, we did a reading of our book mm-hmm. at the, uh, one of our local bookstores, the Inner Geek, and uh, the Sawbones book. And while we were there, uh, everybody was invited to come up and do some readings mm-hmm. if they had 
stuff they wanted to share. Yeah. And so there were some some other readings from books and short stories. And then uh, one person got up and shared some poems she had written. And they were very good. But the only thing that struck me as odd is that she read them off her phone. Yeah. And she was like, hold on, let me get my notes open. And was like reading them there off her phone. And I thought, what a strange way to, I don't know, for me, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Well, But I perhaps mean, that is now... It's with you all the time. So like if if you're writing and you're a writer, sometimes you just like have a thing where you're like, oh, that's good. Or you just like a thing pops into your head and you want to write it down. And it's easier to pull out your phone and, and type it in your notes app than, um, you know, carry around a notebook with you or something to actually write down all the time. But also for me, because I have social anxiety, it doesn't look like I'm writing if I'm just on my phone typing something. Like, I could look like I'm just, like, texting someone, you know, I'm, I'm tweeting, I'm not, like, writing, writing. Mm. Like, if I pull out a notebook in the middle of a, a class that I, well, a class is a bad example because you're supposed to be writing in class. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like. If I actually look like I'm taking notes in class. If I look like I'm taking <laughs> notes. But, I don't know, like, if you're just somewhere and you pull out a notebook and start writing something down, people automatically look at you like, what, it, that's going on over there but if you just pull out your phone and start typing <laughs> what's going on over there what's going on over there the you got secret words. diabolical plans you're writing down a little notebook words now. <laughs> you know what's really funny is that it's just a it, that lag of technology and, and like the age people catching up with it when i go to meetings uh at the hospital and and like i i have had to since i was chief resident go mm -hmm. to various meetings with lots of adults talking about very serious things um <laughs> and i if i pull out my phone because i tried to do that once pull out my phone to take notes mm -hmm. and this is when i was still a resident so i was not in charge mm -hmm. i remember getting a very stern look from one of the attendings like one of those like put your phone away kind of looks yeah. like you know what i'm talking about like right. the <laughs> The furrowed brow the and the, the tilt of the head that says, like, put that away. Put that away. What are you doing? Because the idea that I would be using that to take notes would mm -hmm. not have occurred to anybody because everyone else in the room pulled out their, like, everybody has one of those zip-up binders yeah. with, like, the very nice legal pads in them. Right. And they, like, unzip them and start taking notes. So I got in the habit of always bringing a little, note like, physical notebook and pen to meetings, mm -hmm. even to this day, because people will think... If you're on your phone in a lot of places with those of us who are old, <laughs> people will think you're just like messing around yeah. if you pull your phone out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've been in similar situations. And I I use my phone for notes a lot. Like if I'm in um, tastings, uh, if I'm in like, for our weekly like meetings and I've I've been reprimanded on it. It's like, well, it's notes, but, you know, I, I yeah. get I get the confusion. Yeah, it because it does. There is like this idea that if you're looking at your phone, you're not paying attention. But it's like, well, that's a. You're right. It's well, a much more efficient way of keeping. Yeah. I mean, what am I gonna do with these notepads? That this notepad that I have with my notes yeah. from various meetings, it just sits in my work bag, yeah. useless. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. Well, I will say I ha do have certain like teachers and professors that say that I we can't use phones to take notes just because. Even if you are taking notes on your phone, the temptation for distraction does not exist in a notebook. There's nothing to get distracted by a notebook. That's but true. like if you're taking notes on your phone and all of a sudden a little notification pops up, you're like, oh, let me just take a quick detour over to Instagram real quick. But then you're on Instagram and you're not paying attention to the lecture. And unless. Unless. 
unless you love to write poetry. In unless which case, you love to write poetry. That notebook would provide a, a huge distraction yeah. for you because you will use it to compose beautiful, angsty. Well, there have definitely been poetry. times I have been writing things that are not for class, distracted by things I am writing, maybe angsty poetry. They're not for class. Yes. Mm. See, I'm I'm a little little jealous that y'all both go to writing when your mind starts wondering class because I always want to doodle and that's way more obvious. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know that is that is true. But Tay, you're an adult. You can do that if you want now. <laughs> doodle while taking notes. It is totally. Here is why I tell you I think it's okay. Uh, one of the doctors I work with, who I respect a great deal and admire. At every meeting I've ever been in with him, and I've been in lots of meetings with him, he takes notes and doodles the entire time. Mm-hmm. I watch him sit there and draw pictures the entire time. And he's engaged and he's listening, but he's going to draw pictures too. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to tell him he can't. And you can too, Taylor. Well, I mean, I, it's just <laughs> Sydney's PSA. I'm declaring it. Thank you, you can. You, I. You, if you're engaged in paying attention and your hand wants to draw a picture, you do it. See, that's that's what I want to tell them. That the benefit of me taking notes on my phone is that that's what I'm going to do. But once I have like a pad of paper there and a pencil, it's like I will spend like, you know, an evening where I'm like, I should draw something. I should draw. And I'm just like, no, I won't. I won't do it. But then as soon as I have that pencil in my hand and I'm, I've got a pad of paper and I'm supposed to be writing words, I'm like, but what I want to draw is a superhero. <laughs> or a bird or whatever but like <laughs> it's the lat it's just it's the temptation is so strong when i'm in a situation where that's the one thing i shouldn't do i think see millennials are redefining what it means to be an employee every single minute we see think pieces <laughs> about it constantly old people are very upset about it i think millennials can redefine what it means to take notes to take notes my way maybe i need to get up and sing in the middle of them i'm a millennial we do what we want and you don't understand Gen anything we do <laughs> we don't take notes <laughs> we just show up unprepared unprepared <laughs> this is life living it we just tell you we're listening <laughs> that's it i'm an exennial i'm just trying to keep up <laughs> with both ends here i don't know i understand everybody's perspective and i'm just trying to make it all work that sounds about right <laughs> this is this is about right <laughs> i feel like we just like need to keep pushing that boundary because if like old people don't get i say old people we're old people but like millennials yeah. are old millennials are adults you know but still like yeah. if they're never going to understand anything we do that we're doing for perfectly logical reasons i think we should just stop worrying about being logical and just pass it off as like oh this is how i learn best oh this is how i work best it's my generation and just it's just it's a generational shift see what we can get away with uh i wanna we've got to i have a lot more poetry just to discuss we do um okay as i i am a published poet yes in in the loosest sense of the word published i'm going to share what that means but before i do that let's (laughs) check the group message i have a sponsor i want to tell you about okay all right go off jill (laughs) no (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> Still Buffering this week is brought to you in part by Mod Cloth. We've talked a lot about Mod Cloth before. We all love Mod Cloth. We all know Mod Cloth. And you can start your summer plans off right this year with breezy tops and jumpsuits made for adventuring, head turning prints that bring the heat, and size inclusive swimwear designed for cooling off. 
Um, they have swimsuits in sizes double XS to four XL for all your H2O engagements, whatever you need for this summer. They have all of those sizes available because they believe fashion should celebrate all women. And that's why they're expanding their size range for their clothing for, uh, to sizes double zero to 28. And if you have questions about a fit, their team of mod stylists can hook you up with complimentary sizing and styling help. I know that's always a problem for me when I'm online shopping. Like, yeah, maybe I'm a medium in this brand, but how does this fit? What does this look like? And what is this going to look like on my body as opposed to the the pictures online? And they have people there designed to help you answer all those questions. Mm -hmm. And and they're really good about, I have a good sense. I've been using Modcloth for many, many years, and I have a good sense now Mm -hmm. How everything's going to fit on me and I what I can always expect a certain level of quality mm-hmm. and and I love mod cloth yeah um so we want you to love mod cloth like we love mod cloth <laughs> so Taylor if our listeners want to check out mod cloth what should they do well you should head on over to modcloth.com that's m-o-d-c-l-o-t-h.com and uh if you have a purchase of 100 bucks or more you can get 15 percent off uh, just use our code BUFFERING at checkout. This offer is only valid for a one-time use, and it expires on October 5th, so so get on over there. Get on that. Uh, our other sponsor this week that we'd like to t- tell you about is Zola. So Zola is going to take the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, your dream, your dream wedding registry, affordable save-the-dates and invitations, and easy-to-use planning tools. Uh, which is wonderful because planning a wedding was so stressful. I chose not to really do it and let my mom do it for me. But (laughs) what if I was getting married right now? Mom has adenovirus and she wouldn't be able to help me very much because she's very sick. She's okay. She's going to get better. She's fine. She's getting better. But like, but she's really sick right now. Right. Mm. She was really sick right now. And then I would be on my own and then I'd never get married. And then what if I'd never had my two children and, this well, is, Zola's going to help. <laughs> that was a very scary rabbit hole I just fell down. But Zola's got me because they have over 100 beautiful wedding website designs to choose from, and they fit any couple's style and every type of wedding. They have an FAQ section that helps address things uh, like, do I have a plus one or can I bring my kids? Hey, by the way, please say yes to that. <laughs> As someone with kids, please say yes to that. Do you know how many more social engagements... I I would love if they just like made them kid friendly. So but many. Yes. Anyway, uh, you can put your Zola registry on your wedding website so guests can get all the details they need and buy your wedding gift in one convenient and beautiful place. Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Zola, uh, what should they do? Well, you can start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola you just have to go to zola.com slash still buffering that's zola.com slash still buffering start your free website get 50 bucks off your registry have an awesome wedding yeah do that all right so as I alluded to I have been published in two poetry books tell us more Mm. Lenore I don't think I used my nom de plume. I don't think I did. I may, uh, I may have. So I don't. <laughs> I don't know if this is still a thing that happens. But you used to be able to enter your poems into they. They were sort of like contests, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could mail in your poem and a significant amount of money, 
And if they judged it worthy, that you would get published in these collections of American poetry anthologies or, yeah. some, you know, some generic title that meant like we took your money and put your poem in a book and yeah. then sold you the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we just took a lot of your money. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And uh, I fell for that. I mean, I have to assume mom and dad helped, though. Yeah. Twice um, in my life. So those books exist with my my teenage oh, poetry offerings. Uh, and it, it's such a racket. I, don't, I hope that still doesn't happen. Does that still happen? I've never seen anything like that. Nobody buys books anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're all on your phones. All the books are on the phones? I guess. I don't know. Justin has a Kindle. Um, <laughs> the world's falling apart. <laughs> Justin has a Kindle. <laughs> but because uh, I, I really thought, I don't know what it is about poetry specifically, but it felt like something that once I started reading poems, because I didn't just read like Shel Silverstein or like other poems that were a little more um, kid friendly. I also just, uh, our our grandfather, my our, our mom's dad, Papa, had just tons of poetry anthologies mm -hmm, yeah. from various countries and various points in history. And so I was exposed to just tons and tons of poems and I would read, I would just sit there and read them and read them and read mm -hmm. them. And w for whatever reason, that felt like something I could do. <laughs> <laughs> They're short sometimes. Yeah, Is that why? It's not a lot of commitment. Yeah. You know, there's some rules to yeah. follow sometimes. Rhyming is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like those, um, oh, uh, Milk and Honey and The Sun and Her Flowers, those poetry books by Rupi Carr that are very popular mm. online amongst the teens. I don't know these. It's, it Please mean, tell us more. It's a, it's a poetry book. Uh-huh. And I think it's designed for young adults and teens. It's like the same uh, niche as John Green readers, I would say. Yeah. Um, But I mean, it's just, it's like each poem is like a little like probably at the most 10 line thing like on one page and they each have a tiny little like pencil illustration to go along with them that's very simple but the, I mean you could read one of those easily in like an hour so you can just sit there and read an entire book in an hour like well there I just read an entire book but also like you know <laughs> did you <laughs> I mean I not yeah that's true but I mean it's still the I mean, same kind of idea it is, yeah. it is, because it's individual little poems, and I mean, um, the first one, Milk and Honey, has like, you know, little sections, like this, these are all about this, and these are all about this, and they're very, they're good, and I have read both of them. Like, I'm not going to sit here and talk about these people that read them, like, oh, those people, like, no, I own both of them, I have read both of them, but they're honestly, like, the kinds of poetry that you write when you're an angsty teen, like they're all centered on like you know like but is that really why we engage with poetry so much when we're younger because sometimes it's short <laughs> and it I seems think, like we could probably do it sometimes i mean I probably know, that's probably part of it right because a book takes a long time to write yeah so but i feel like it poetry's kind of like um the daily horoscopes in the newspaper like they're so kind of like the themes are kind of general that like you could probably relate to them really well like they're broad general themes kind of in all sorts of poetry that could probably fall under any like three categories yeah. that I mean you know you can find that you can find something to relate to probably in most poems you'd read mm -hmm. 
you know what I mean? Like in a book, like it's a, a story and characters and might be hard for certain people to relate to certain ideas sure. or plots. But in poetry, I mean, it's just love. Ah. Yeah. Love or death, probably. Right. I think it depends on what poetry, maybe for some poetry. I don't know. I was really into E.E. E. Cummings for, for some reason. And I mean, those themes are like, this is about spatial understanding and apples. Like, it's like, you <laughs> and know, apples. like, yeah, it takes you, yeah. takes you five, five seconds to read the poem. And then it takes you an hour to try to figure out what he's saying. They're like yeah. riddles. Like some poetry, just because it's short doesn't mean you don't spend an hour like, what is right. this about? See, you know, no, that's true. I, I mean, think, that, that's a fair point. Yeah. And I think that's a big line between the kinds of poetry that I think I'm going to say teens is how I'm going to generalize this say they enjoy and then the kind of poetry that actually like is what you know famous poetry is by by authors like that it's like when you get to the poetry unit in your lit class and everyone's like oh I love poetry I love writing poetry and reading poetry but then your teacher starts handing out these super intricate like what does this mean like what are these words and these themes and you have to spend like a weekend class deciphering just two lines of a poem like those are two very different kinds of poetry I think you know like when you're first exposed to real like I want to say real poetry Mm -hmm. but that kind of poetry I feel like is very different from when you're writing your own poetry like kind of doing those like five or six line about heartbreak and and tears and and you know all those kinds of things when you're a teenager which is what i mean that's what most of mine were about yeah were like angsty like i love him and he doesn't know who i am yeah or, well, you know i'm so I, or like the just the really dark like i i had a lot of those like i'm so broken inside and nobody sees it kind right. of poems yeah i think it's all i mean that also butts up against another thing which is basically the same thing but definitely a a, a teen thing that i think most people do which is writing songs and like you might not even be able mm-hmm. to play a musical instrument but writing song lyrics that usually live in that same wheelhouse of themes because i definitely did that yeah yeah i did i did that too yeah i did the, i i never knew what i was gonna do about composing music for it right. yeah i didn't know I how to do that i couldn't play any instruments except for i could play the that one john denver songbook on guitar right mm-hmm. Because it only had like three or four chords in it. Uh, Also, now, now also, I could play all of the Aladdin songbook on Mm. my keyboard. um, Mm -hmm. Which you would think that is a skill that would never come in handy again. But uh uh-oh, Aladdin movie comes out. Charlie loves it. You have kids. I am so impressive to her right now. (laughs) 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 So you never know what skills will sort of like signs right yeah <laughs> it's just like the glasses of water everywhere <laughs> um <laughs> nobody nobody okay <laughs> just poetry me. just me but i do think it's important Tay, that you brought up like the kind of poetry you were into because i do think that's a big difference between the first time you're exposed to poetry like that like i still remember the first class i was in where i was like they said bring your favorite poem to class and we're all going to talk about our favorite poems like okay cool so I get one of my little like rupee car milk and honey poems and I bring it in and print it out and I'm all ready and we all read them they're all kind of the same we all kind of thought the same general way and then she's like okay here's what we're going to talk about this week and then just hands us like 
the longest, most intricate, like, what is this mean type poetry? But it really, it, it, I mean, there's such a benefit in that once you get into it. Like, yeah. I, like, for I sure. remember one that, that affected me that way was um, W.H. Auden's The Sea in the Mirror, mm-hmm. which is like about the Tempest, mm-hmm. sort of, mm-hmm. the Shakespeare play, The Tempest. Um, and I remember reading i had to perform it for one of my classes in college Mm -hmm. like not you know what i mean like an oral interpretive reading i should say and i had to read it and understand it really well to be able to do that and i remember that like poem becoming so important to me because of the time and effort i put into it and then everything that it gave back to me once i was willing to give it the time well my i mean it's true poetry and i mean that's a long one but like yes you can get that from any length of poetry because it, it is in a sense, is it more difficult to tackle a giant topic without the ability the to space. just, like, of prose? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, know. my first college English class, I had to make a, a video representation of a poem. So I had to, you know, read a poem and then make a video that wasn't just someone reading the poem that also told the story and also, rep- like, showed mm-hmm. the symbolism and what it meant and all those kinds of things. Like, and it was hard. I mean, the poem was only like 12 lines and I had to find some way to turn it into a, a story. And I think in some way, like, yeah, there was deeper meaning and I, you know, you find it and it, it, it's like, it's a more rewarding feeling. I feel like when you're reading poetry and you're like, oh, well now I get it as opposed mm-hmm. to like a big long novel or story or something where it's like, okay, well we've been working up to this and there's these like little side stories and everything represents all of this and it's easier to tell that in a a longer story than in a few lines Hmm. i i had to make a a physical representation of a poem once but i was in elementary school Mm -hmm. we had to pick a poem and then we had to make some sort of i mean it's basically like a diorama of your poem and i chose uh shel silverstein's too many kids in this tub (laughs) i remember that diorama that sounds like it could be uh, <laughs> go ahead never mind. have you heard that one yeah 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 okay anyway so i made a bathtub which uh, with a bunch of taylor's little quince yep. toys in it door. and like foam <laughs> it's in a little bathroom i remember making the wallpaper i really like making the wallpaper i use like a now, how stamp. much did mom make <laughs> Mom helped me with the ideas, but I remember very distinctly me making the wallpaper because okay. I had a stamp and I, for whatever reason, it wasn't just enough to have walls. I had to make it look like a wallpaper print. So I remember like stamping the paper, like perfectly spaced out <laughs> to make it look like a wallpaper pattern. Of course. <laughs> All over the back of this shoebox. So that, I mean, it took forever. Anyway, I don't know why that mattered. Like nobody cared about that. But I do. I, I wish I still had it. Charlie loves that poem. I wish I still had that. You just have to make it again. Well, hopefully she'll have that project (laughs) someday. (laughs) And then we can just whip that out again. Yeah. Um, I still don't know why all teens, most teens, get into poetry, though. Is it because it's short? Is it one of those things that it's like, oh, I could probably do that? It's a way of expressing. I mean, for me, I couldn't draw. So, Tay, you you had that ability. I've never had that ability. And so if I wanted to express the way I was feeling, um, like I could write about it in my diary or if I wanted something that I could share with people, I guess I could have just written prose, but that seemed daunting because it's long and a poem could be short. Mm -hmm. And also I, I think that 
when you first start reading poetry and it so much it doesn't have to rhyme of course but so much does or there's like rules like once you start learning that there are some poems that there are rules for mm -hmm. they have so many syllables and so many like and the, you know you learn about the rhyme schemes and everything all of a sudden all those rules seem to make it like something that's accessible yeah, I don't right. know why rules make it more oh. possible but I think they do and so when I learned like oh if I just follow these rules I've written a sonnet yeah cool I could do that and yeah. like I know a lot of words I could rhyme some stuff like yeah. I don't know there's something about it that just seemed more accessible yeah Sydney really likes parameters and rules to her artistic Sydney expression. really likes rules <laughs> I, am. I I I loved my favorite thing we did for the Sawbones book was we wrote poems to begin each mm -hmm. uh, section, oh. and we used a different form of poem oh, for every good. one. And that was my favorite thing was the challenge of coming up with a poem. It's like a little puzzle. Yeah, in that form that had to meet that specific form, but also would encompass what the whole section was kind yeah. of about. That was my favorite part. <laughs> I am remembering now that in my 10th grade English class, what our final was we had to make a little series of poetry and we had to pick paint chips out of a box and use the names of the like the little different named paint cards that you get at like Lowe's. We had to use those and write one of each kind of poetry we had learned about and then make a poem that was titled and somehow involved the name of that paint card. Huh. And that was one of the hardest things I'd ever done that because I had to write like, difficult. it was like eight different kinds of poetry, whatever, like all the different forms. Mm -hmm. I had to write one of each. And then I somehow had to include this title of this paint color. And I remember like, I, that was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Poetry is hard. Like when you're following like the, the rules and everything, I mean like, you know, there's just freeform poetry. But when you're going through all, the, like, the rhyme schemes and the mm. lengths and syllables, like, it's not easy. It, it can be. I When I wrote my uh, Garfield poem recently. <laughs> okay. Um, that, you're just going to okay. well, <laughs> put that out there and leave it? Okay. I, I, <laughs> I shared it on Twitter. Poem. I, I wrote, saw it. I wrote a poem about the Garfield phones washing up on the French beach because it was one of my favorite things that's happened in the last... Ever. Ever. Uh and the I will say that it's it's a sonnet and the the iambic pentameter part gets easier as you go. Yeah. It feels natural to speak in iambic pentameter once you, mm -hmm. you know, like get the feel for it. Uh, I've been looking as we've been recording. I've been looking at all of my bookshelves in this room. It must be in one of our bookshelves in a different room. Mm -hmm. We have bookshelves in essentially every room in the house. Um for one of the classic poetry volumes from our era, Taylor, uh, the poetry book that everyone was waiting for, they didn't know they needed it till it arrived, and then was spoken about endlessly on, well, there wasn't social media, I guess it was just television. What? A Night Without Armor by Jewel. Oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jewel's poetry book. Okay find a lot of us you know jewel the artist the singer the songstress yes, yes. jewel yes yes uh, that is my the extent of my knowledge yes <laughs> jewel and i mean the thing is like her songs already it's not shocking that her poetry had the same feel as as like her song like it, they were very mm -hmm. similar and that like it, they they spoke to me as a teenager because mm -hmm. they spoke of like 
things in a very uh, deep, earth-shattering way mm -hmm. without maybe, like, all of the context needed for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but that book, I, I have it. I feel like everyone who grew up in the 90s, every especially if you were a, a young woman in the 90s, mm -hmm. you were like, well, I better get the jewel, I better get the jewel page. <laughs> I better get on there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love her. I love her songs. <laughs> I mean, if Alanis had published a poetry book, I would have bought that too. I want Lizzo to write a poetry yeah. book. Yeah. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. Oh. Um, but in the meantime, I guess I'll just keep reading. Shel Silverstein to yeah to heavily Charlie. edited Shel Silverstein. It's a good thing she can't read yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's been really cool? Um, I when I was going through her the poetry books with her, I read them to her, and some of them I read in the way he read. He you could buy his cassettes. Yeah. Mm. of him reading these poems mm -hmm. and he's such a wonderful performer i mm -hmm. mean he's he was very talented and he did a lot of stuff for like adults too like yeah. some kind of um it reminds me of like bob saget you know like bob saget was this really blue comedian who then was on full house <laughs> yeah <laughs> like my childhood vision of shell silverstein were just these like beautiful magical poems that he wrote mm -hmm. which were our beautiful magical but he also did like some raunchy stuff for grown-ups mm-hmm um, but he re he performs these poems and they're just gorgeous. And we had these cassettes, but the, of course they're long gone. I don't know where they are. And I read the poems to her in the way I realize like it's ingrained. Yeah. So if I'm going to do, if I'm going to read the crocodile went to the dentist. I was going to say that's the one that's stuck in my head. Oh, that's I, the that, one I always do I it. <laughs> but what's more crocodile tooth more or less than this? <laughs> Uh, every time but uh and i was thinking like man i wish i could find these cassettes for her and thank you internet those are on youtube somewhere that they're, was the first thing i was gonna they're say they're all on youtube I so i found say. them and now i play these for her sometimes so she can hear them performed by him that's good. and it's so good they're out there in case you like me were like man i love those cassettes i wonder if i could they're out there on youtube yeah um they're just beautiful to hear and it's nice Charlie now makes up songs and and rhymes and things all the time, and I ha I I like to think that maybe this has influenced her a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. So. So anyway, I'll return to poetry lives on. Yeah, poetry lives on. I'll go write some more under my pen name, Lenore. <laughs> oh, Lenore, keep, keep those coming, <laughs> Lenore. <laughs> Isn't that so? Th those books. I think I have those books, too, that we bought with my poems in them. I'm sure you do. That's not something you'd, you'd get rid of. No. That's so Are sad. Are those st still available for purchase? Because I think there's a whole group of people that would love to have oh, yeah. the original <laughs> oh, Sydney Smurl publication. <laughs> Sydney Smurl, a.k.a. Lenore. I, I don't know. And honestly, this isn't me trying to, like, dodge the, the question. I don't think I could come up with a title given all the time in the world for those books because they really were like the most generic, like a collection of American poetry in the year 1990, whatever, or, you know, I mean, like it was just, yeah, but they were hardbound. They were expensive because, you know, it was a wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got published. Yes. 
in the loosest sense of the word. <laughs> yes. My poetry got published in a book legitimately. I we, Those Sawbones poems. There That's we go. That's true. There you there go. go. There we go. You are, I was going to say, you are a published author. Like, this is not. I know, but it seems. <laughs> <laughs> a anyway. literal published author. I'm, I'm prouder. Start somewhere. Yeah. I'm prouder of the poems. Uh, well, thank you, sisters. Uh, this thank you, Lenore. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lenore. That'll be enough of that. We shall never speak of this again. <laughs> uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, thank you for tuning in. You should check out MaximumFun.org for a lot of wonderful shows that you would enjoy on our on our fantastic network. Uh, you should tweet at us at StillBuff. You should email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org if you have thoughts or suggestions or questions or comments or po- poetry po- that you want to share. You want to share some poetry. poems? We love poems here, mm-hmm. as you can tell. So yeah. share them. And uh, thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Changed Mine. This has been Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am a teenager. And, and I was, was two. two. There are too many kids. There are too many elbows to scrub. <laughs> Just wash the bush. I sure wasn't. I sure wasn't Well, Alexis, we got big news. Uh Uh-oh. Season one, done. It's over. Season two, coming at you hot. Three years after. (laughs) Three and a half. Season one. Technically almost four years. All right. And now, listen, here at Can I Pet Your Dog, the Snow Shade Podcast, our seasons run for three and a half years. (laughs) And then at season two, we come at you with new hot co-hosts named you. Hi, I'm Alexis. <laughs> and we also have uh, uh, field trip. Dog tech. Yeah. Dog news. Dog news. Celebrity guests. Oh, big shots. Will not let them talk about their resume. Nope. Only yeah, the dogs. Only the dogs. I mean, if ever you were going to get into Can I Pet Your Dog. Now's the time. Get in here every Tuesday at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.